Welcome to the First Issue Club comic book podcast. <laughs> we are your weekly comic book reading club that focuses primarily on first issues. First issues can be read. They can be appreciated for their covers. They can be thrashed by the side of your bed because you're trying to get a good read in before you go to sleep. And they could be protected and placed in their mylar sleeves, sent off for grading at a later date. What, Whatever your motive is for collecting comic books, that's great and all well and good. We're here to talk about the content, the stories, and we love reading our comics. Because just like Sue Storm, we love a good read at First Issue Club. Beautiful. Was that Robert Frost? Yeah. <laughs> there's there's a, another set of footprints in the sand next to me. And it's, it's uh, Stan Lee carrying us home. It's exactly right. Uh, welcome, everyone. It's good to have you back for another week of comic book goodness. I'm Greg. And I'm Mike. Uh, Andy can't be with us this week. He had some plumbing issues. That's nothing to say about it. <laughs> Anything he had for dinner, it's just he had to pipe back up You're on him. Outing Andy. <laughs> it's not even that big of a deal. I I was worried because his comic books are in his basement. Outing Andy sounds like a TV show or something. Yeah, or like a sweet punk band uh-huh. <laughs> from the nineties. Um, so you just got us two knuckleheads uh this week in the club. Um, we're gonna be talking some light comic book news, um, some things that went down in this amazing Spider Man number thirty one issue that we're gonna go through. Yep. Um we are currently recording this episode via video, which if you want to see that, go to patreon.com slash club and check that out. We have a couple tiers um, over there that you can join. One is for a dollar and one is for three ninety nine. Uh, we have a bunch of videos and episodes over there, including this one. So if this uh, sounds like fun to you, go check it out. See what clothes we're wearing. Or if we're wearing clothes at all. Oh, Am I lying? Who knows? Go check it out. First Issue Club. Uh, Patreon. It's a Patreon, not an OnlyFans. I'm getting tired of OnlyFans being a punchline. I never considered it a punchline. Overused. I think people just say like, oh, check out my OnlyFans. (laughs) (laughs) Then you respond with, okay. Yeah. Give me your username. Maybe I will. Was it feet pics? What you got? Butt stuff? (laughs) Dick ratings? Girlfriend material? What you got? Too many genres. Too many genres. You just have to scroll to page six to find the category regular porn. Also, OnlyFans <laughs> is much more than pornography. Is it? We could start an OnlyFans. Yeah, that's right. Anyone can start one. It's like a Patreon. For whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. But that community just found itself there. And that's fine. That's because great. Because they were willing to because house it. Was Patreon a little like, See, oh, we don't really want this I to be our brand? No. Because for a minute there, OnlyFans almost stopped explicit material on their website. Really? Yeah. And then every sex worker was just like, do you know how much money we bring you? Yeah. Every month? the um, There was another platform that was the same way. That was like why Tumblr didn't succeed as much as like a deviant art or like one of those mm-hmm. image platforms that's still around because they were like... Yeah, post all your like well, lewd, okay. Lewd so cartoons. Tumblr used to be able to have explicit and nudity on okay. their website. Then they stopped it. Yeah, and then no one gave a shit about Tumblr anymore. Yeah, and then Tumblr like failed more. <laughs> and then so I think DeviantArt you can still yes. post your art form, whether it be however you want. Yes. Right. Um, These are the VHS Betamax. Of like, like learnings, right? Yes. And it's wild to see how that's transcended through like different types of media and mm-hmm. different platforms like over time. Right. That it's like the one that embraces porn is the one, is the that, one that succeeds. Ultimately succeeds. Yeah. That's why the internet was just like, yep, come on. <laughs> and that's what we talk about here. Like I mentioned at First Issue Club, yeah. really getting into the reading of comics and the content. <laughs> Uh, what else we got to take care of before we get into comic books and stuff? Uh, blah, 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 blah. We have social medias. Go check out that. Firstissueclub.com. We have our episodes and blogs there. And maybe a special hidden button that is available that if you're uh, 
a longtime fan may have noticed pop up. Oh, do we have anything on a shop? So the shop is active, and I'm uh, closing up uh, talks with our uh, distributor right now. And uh-huh. by the end of next week, we should be able to order shirts and stuff from firstissueclub.com. All right. So if you want merch, go to firstissueclub.com. There should be a little shop button. Click on that and order away. Stand by, First you, Issue Club yeah, yeah. listeners. First Issue Club. Stand tall. Stand by. And stand by. Stand by. What God. was the quote? <laughs> stand down and stand, stand by. Stand down and stand by. God, yeah. You did not just quote <laughs> Donald Trump on this fucking show. First well, Issue Club audience, stand uh, down and stand by. This weekend over, For our, shirts. over our text thread, we were joking about... Um, Elon Musk saying to me, my X-Men, X as in his new his platform and men as in men, right, men like on right his right wing, yeah. alt-right men on, <laughs> on X. <laughs> God. He, I, I don't know how much longer I want to do social media for this show. It is just like a hellscape on every platform. Yeah, yeah, totally. And so, I mean... There are some weeks you get light content on yeah. the Twitter, and some weeks you get heavy content. I have not seen that influence the viewership of the show. At yeah, all. I will. I'll. I'll have a video pop up on my Instagram. I heard someone on another podcast articulate this, and I was like, "Wow, I do the exact same thing." Is that you'll see someone do something slightly wrong mm-hmm. on a on a video, or like say something wrong, and then you like go to the comments, and it's like the first forty comments are people just grilling this person <laughs> over something that just like doesn't matter or like telling them how to do it the right way or why they're wrong. Right. And it's just like, man, this sucks. Like this person was just like trying to show how they like cut a watermelon <laughs> and now they're just being fucking <laughs> ev- eviscerated online. <laughs> like accidentally That's called right. it a watermelon <laughs> and are getting roasted or by 13 year olds. Like, or their like kid was in the kitchen while they were cutting a watermelon and they're like, not realistic. Shouldn't have, shouldn't have your kids around while wielding such a big knife. <laughs> not very safe. Yeah. Thanks for roasting me on my child safety and my knife abilities. Oh God! Anyway, God bless the internet. No news. No new news to you guys that the internet is a piece of shit. Um, yeah. <laughs> speaking of news, let's get into some comic book news. Yeah. Uh, so IDW has recently been doing a bunch of layoffs and um, restructuring. I, did they not fully go under? No, I thought that. Well, they filed for bankruptcy, right? Um, am I thinking of a different publisher? N- uh, oof. They did. IDW did a bunch of layoffs. Yeah, I can't Vault or Aftershock or somebody. No, somebody. Someone somebody who was a publisher that I liked filed for bankruptcy like yeah. six months or a year ago. You know, it was IDW because we joked about how many properties they had. Yeah, like, you know, if you kept making, if you stopped making, you know, Stranger Things versus Transformers, maybe you yeah, could keep right. the lights on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, they started. They IDW had this originals line. That like um, the hunger and dusk and uh, Brymore were on like their new yes, original Brynmore. line yes, and they're now kind of like stepping away from that stuff, which was like the most exciting thing that IDW was doing totally right now yes, and so um, unfortunately they're they're walking back that stuff because oh, drag to um, you know be able to pay the bills they've started to. Uh, uh, Focus more on their licensing material. Yep. So right. get prepared for more Stranger Things and TMNT versus dot, dot, dot. I get it. The other creators will get their story told on different publishers. I'll yeah. live with it. IDW, do your own thing. <laughs> Keep your people employed. The However many you have right now. Yeah. Do what you got to do. Okay. Make smart biz decisions. Smart biz decisions. I'm fine with it. It's a bummer. I don't care for any of that like licensed stuff hardly ever. It's normally shit. It, mu- it must be that good that it just like... There's the novelty of the cover more than anything. Yeah. I, I honestly bet you that 50% of the people who buy those comics mm-hmm. get a kick out of the cover or how ridiculous the concept is and like thumb through it at most. I bet you a lot of people don't even read those. Yeah. You just see Stranger Things and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and the cover is funny. Yeah. 
and you like say, oh, I love these two things. I got to have this. Oh, I'll spend $5 on this. Yeah. I'm a rich guy. And they're going to start crossing over a third thing. What is your ideal crossover for IDW? <laughs> like <laughs> Pearl Jam and the Avengers playing Nintendo. <laughs> We've nailed it. Got it in one, folks. Couldn't have asked for a better answer than that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, moving on. Uh, this week, Spider-Man 31 came out, which is, uh, if you're into... Landmark numbering, the big 3-1. Yeah, if you're into legacy numbering, that would be Amazing <laughs> Spider-Man 925, uh, which is a little more... They gotta apt. stop with all the 25s being a thing. I know. This 75s one... and 25s are not a reason to do like a big-ass $10 issue. This one was stacked like a fucking annual. This thing was... <laughs> ginormous and um this was the big wedding issue Uh between um uh janice or janice and joe robertson yep one of them being the daughter to tombstone Mm -hmm. the other being the son to the editor-in-chief to the daily bugle yep uh this of course um is going to kick off the uh upcoming storyline in spider-man of gang war which is just like deal of superheroes versus essentially just New York at large. And mm-hmm. I think Luke Cage is currently the mayor yeah. of New York. Yep. So I'm sure he'll get the defenders together. Yeah. And we'll have to figure a whole that out. Um, happy family. I bet a lot of people are stoked for this because I feel like one thing I I see people say all the time is that they miss like street level stories. Yeah. Be it from Daredevil, Spider-Man, Luke Cage, um, and on and on, that a lot of the bigger world-saving things just aren't doing it for them anymore, and we miss, like, yeah, like what She-Hulk is doing right now, where she's, like, her dating life, and it's restricted to New York City and her job, and, like, that series got, I don't know if it won, it got nominated for a handful of Eisners. It did, yeah. Um but for writing. Yeah, there's definitely an appetite for those more personal stories. And I think like you can build them up to the bigger events as long as you get back to basics with that stuff. So like when Donny Kate started writing Venom, he made that a much more personal story and then it eventually went to like a cosmic level, right? <laughs> it went too way but, big. But we got eased into it over like 40 issues so it wasn't like stacked like the if we had started with just like null and outer space immediately um i would have been like what the fuck is this you know what i mean <laughs> i'm not gonna read this crap so i think a lot I, more or less what i'm trying to say is i think people would be excited to read some street yeah, level i like the street level stuff based in myself where the the most fantastical thing happening is that there is a superhero there mm-hmm. punching you through a wall yeah um, I think us older dudes <laughs> love that shit. We're now, we're now in that category, old yeah. dude. Um, oh, what is um? So, what was the event title? Gang war. Gang war. Okay. Um, do you know what? Uh, there's a thing that's called contest of champions or something, or contest chaos of champions. Contest of chaos. Yes, because contest of champions is a video game. It, Contest of Champions was actually an event that we talked about on the last Patreon. Okay. That was like one of the first events that Marvel did that led into Secret Wars. Okay. And so Chaos of Champions, I think. Contest of Chaos. Something like that. Chaos of Champions doesn't even make sense. Is it, could Champions that be of it? Chaos. Champions of Chaos. Well, and it's like Some combo of these words. Uh, Agatha. It sounded like a video game to me, and so I skipped it. And now I'm like, oh, this might actually be like... A normal event and not just like a video game. Yeah, it's a mini event. Agatha has figured out how to reassemble the Darkhold. And so she's using her magical powers to pit superheroes against one another for her own enjoyment. Okay. (laughs) Her own pleasure. Get your rocks off however you want, (laughs) Agatha. (laughs) Go off, queen. (laughs) Uh, Back to Spider-Man. Spider-Man and the Black Cat break up. No! Yep. Uh, which I was enjoying that relationship. Uh, I think the idea that 
Spider-Man becomes boring when he's in a relationship is the dumbest take ever. <laughs> I think you can have characters that are in relationships and evolve as people mm-hmm. and like we don't have such Neanderthal brains that we're just like Spider-Man isn't interesting unless he's yeah. like dating around. Like right. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, it's like in like it's not I hard just, to tell compelling stories when the, someone else is in a committed relationship. You know what I mean? Like I think it's fine. I think it's part of like we as adults, uh-huh. growing up, live in these committed relationships and deal with those problems every day. I know. So people, why not like incorporate them? Yeah. Into stories, our, our funny like, picture books. I think you hear like like Chris Claremont was just like. When we were at a con once, he was like, he was like, sorry, ladies, but it's true. Mary Jane made Peter boring, so we had to get rid of her. And it was like, God, I just think that's Chris Chris Claremont's been divorced seven times. I just think that's such a fucking lame take. And anytime like they go through the process of building a relationship with this character Mm -hmm. and, uh, then immediately in And then it. you find it interesting. And then I just imagine C.B. Sobolski and these guys who are just like, Spider-Man only works when he's single, being like the decision makers. Like, I just hate that motivation for yeah. like constantly having him break up and come be back on and then date, you know, Mockingbird for some reason. <laughs> I mean, it's it's, I think it's easy to do, to be honest. I mean, it actually would be a more compelling story to have Spider-Man be a successful superhero and try to be, you know, a thoughtful and, and engaged uh, husband or fiance or, or boyfriend or whatever. It adds more. If you're saying you want more street level stuff, it adds more stakes to that because he's trying to balance yeah, uh, crime fighting with like being home on time and picking up his kid mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I think... I personally think that's more interesting than breaking him up yeah. with other characters constantly. I, I know people who have been married for over 30 years, and one person is like a long-haul trucker. Like That's essentially a superhero. Like You're gone away for weeks at a time, and then you're home for maybe a week. Yeah. And you can, you can make, if they can make that work, then Peter Parker can make any kind of marriage work. It doesn't matter that he's a superhero. Yeah. I am... I'm at a point where I'm just uh, annoyed with anything that happens being undone. Like, I was excited about Mary Jane moving on and having those kids of her own and Mm -hmm. a husband. And then they kind of just, like, started slashing away at that storyline. And those characters, did they sacrifice the husband as part of the storyline? It's been a while. My comics are monthly, so I'm not super fresh on that where that storyline ended. For who? Spider-Man. No. You don't read Spider-Man? No. Uh-uh. Okay. I do not. Then I'll stop talking about it. Um. Okay. Uh, okay, so they're broken up. Superior Spider-Man is returning with Doc Ock remembering that he was... Superior Spider-Man. Yeah, they've been so, teasing at that. So we'll have that to deal with, um, which I'm I'm totally here for. I he love wants his memories back right now. Is, yes, is where I left off reading. Mm-hmm. So I think he's got them back. Okay, and so uh, we are notoriously pro <laughs> Doc Ock as Superior Spider-Man here on this show. Maybe this time it'll be a little more consensual. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, again, this is a thing where, like, they did something really interesting with Doc Ock over time, and then, some, I, I bet you anything, some of those older higher-ups at Marvel were just like, no, he has to be evergreen the same thing forever, mm-hmm. and that fucking sucks. Hmm, what else, what else? Oh, uh, Mary Jane is finally going to be Jackpot in the new limited series, so she's going to have her special casino uh powers yeah for a little longer if you don't know what that is like she has like a holographic 
slot machine kind of thing that spins and like whatever it lands on is the power she yep. gets. And so they're going to be exploring that a little bit more in the Spider-Man world. That's another thing that I like that I know they're just going to undo at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, Spider-Man's, or sorry, Spider-Boy's origin is going to be explored more, which we kind of already knew. They're going to be doing a Spider-Boy series. So <laughs> the funny don't. thing is we know, at least from what I've read thus far, we still know extremely little about that character. Uh-huh. And it's funny to me how nuts this market is for that first appearance when it's like that character's origin story and whole deal might not be of interest to a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> but just the fact that we've been teasing it for so long, like everyone's like, I got to have this before they even tell us what it is. Tell us, tell I don't us care who what this it fucking is. kid is. I need it. Yeah, right. Uh, let's see here. It's just a good name, right? Good. It's a good suit. It's a younger character. Mm hmm. You know. It's like we haven't, if, new, we haven't seen a new entry in the Spider Family, quote unquote, for a long time. Yep. This was like a. Uh, well, that's not true. It's not true. All those Spider Verse, like there's like a million Spider oh, sure, characters. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> Silk and Miguel and <laughs> thanks for thank you for checking me, <laughs> Gwen. Uh, what happens next? Uh, oh, Craven and the Queen Goblin, which is like the Red Goblin mm-hmm. thing, or who's a woman. They're like shacking up together. So now they're like the new power the couple. The new it couple. <laughs> they're the new hotness right now on the street. Uh, Craven and the Queen Goblin. Craven. Craven. Goblin. Queen Crab. Crab Queen. <laughs> um, that's cool to me, I guess. I don't really know if you have a take on those two canoodling. No, it's weird. They don't seem related at all. Well, they're uh, not related if they're canoodling. You know what I mean. Booyah! Got him, folks. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'll be buying half of these things, maybe. Uh, if there are, are these just story points, or are these like each their own mini series? Looks like they're gonna be each about? their own mini series, yeah. spinning out from all this stuff. There might be too many mini series for me. Uh, the last one is uh, Spider-Man Reign 2. Rad. Which, uh, that is the notorious Spider-Man story where Mary Jane dies because of Peter Parker's radioactive semen. <laughs> I mean, who hasn't been there? That's why we wear condoms. That's the one reason. That's the one reason. Yeah. And the other reason why you don't have sex before marriage. The interesting thing about that comic was... It jumped like 30 or 40 years mm-hmm. in the future. Yeah. And then I think if memory serves, it's been like, God, 15 years since I would have read any of these. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was more of a police state in New York. Does that sound right? Yes. Um, I think you're right. Which is like a lot of like, hey, let's jump like 30 years in the future. And it's like RoboCop land. Kind of thing is, is you know a common sci-fi fantasy deal. Um, so I'm interested to see with Rain Two, as they're like tentatively calling it at least, mm-hmm. um, if it's going to jump further in the future, if it's going to be like an interim time to see how we got to I think where Rain was. Trying to say it might be like a, a prequel, a prequel, like yeah, leading up to because they've got MJ on the cover, cover, uh-huh. and Rain Two starts with M with you realizing MJ's dead. So um, it it seems like it's probably a prequel. Yeah. So that, I mean, issue um, 31 slash 295 was a beefy bitch. Did it tease any of Rain? I mean, Rain is like non-canon, so I would think not, unless it was like a no. backup story. It's Yeah. It's like, I, like I said, it was like set up like an annual. And yep. so like they kind of really set up like, oh, by the way. Yep. Rain 2. On the way. Do you know if it was uh, square bound or not? It would have had to been. It was yeah. huge. Okay. I, re- I I saw it digitally, so. Yeah. Those don't come square bound. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's exciting. Like, I I do like how when books do this kind of thing of just, like, their victory lap of just, like, hey, 
here's what we got coming. Like their sizzle reel. Like here's yeah. here's what we got coming out. Mm-hmm. It gets you kind of amped up. Marvel and DC typically do this once a year, like as a flagship book. Mm-hmm. I'm, yeah, I'm just disappointed they're undoing some stuff. Well, we don't know for sure how and what. I'm just glad Dan Slott. Dan Slott seems like a guy who has his head on his shoulders for like changing characters around a bit. Mm-hmm. And I think he's going to be writing Superior Spider-Man again. Yes. And it's like, yeah, like he's like the interesting thing I did with Otto was make him have compassion for <laughs> Spider-Man. Yeah. And then it got like undone when he left. And now the second he's coming back to like Spider-Man, like pro- like the main storyline proper, mm. he's... Uh, uh, Has learned re- nothing. He's like redoing w- what he'd yeah. done the first time, All right? All memories are gone. Oopsie. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think that goes to show you that Dan Slott maybe understands Spider-Man a little better than... Well, yeah, I mean, he's been he's been writing it for some of the publisher people. I I I really think a lot of the people who to blame for Spider Man being bad off and on are the like the executives, the like editors, the mm-hmm. like chief editors at Marvel. Yeah, because they they watch the trends and they don't, yeah. they know what sells. Apparently, I blame what's his Takashi, whatever. Oh God, Yoshida, Yoshida, yeah. <laughs> We won't get into that too much. <laughs> uh, do you want to get into the books that we have uh, read? I read one book. You read a book. Yeah. All right. You can you st- intro your book, and I'm gonna see if I can. Yeah. Find so, what I've read uh, in my short box behind me. Yeah, I read the Enfield Gang. The en- sorry, the Enfield Gang number uh, massacre. Lord, let me try that again. I read the Enfield Gang massacre. Uh, by Chris Condon and Jacob Phillips. This is in the That Texas Blood. Um, oh, that has a spinoff now. Yeah, but it's not like really attached to too much because it's set back in the Old West uh-huh. in the same town. So like it's it's related and they're, they're like building off of That Texas Blood, but it really is kind of its own like little fun. That's cool though. It adds some like Western lore stuff. To yeah. The- yeah, exactly. Um, and it was a great book. Like, if you're loving that Texas blood, you're gonna love this book. The colors are absolutely eye popping, and you know the um, the characters are written really dynamically by Chris. And it's just fun to see this world being fleshed out and enriched even more. And you kind of, I, I gotta wonder like where else they're gonna go with this because this is like a limited series. I think it's like five or six, and so I think they're just gonna tell a small brief history of the town set in the old West and then how that's going to affect the story that's happening right now in that Texas blood. So um, I I really enjoyed it. It's on image. Go check it out. If you're, um... Oh, and what's great about it is you don't have to have read. Yes. I was just about to cover that. You don't have to have read anything from that Texas blood to understand what's happening right now, which is brilliant as, um, as a creative team, you can just have, People jump in and jump out whenever they want. It's just an old west uh, revenge story that is, um, you know, primed for image and for its um, for uh, Jacob Phillips to to be on. So that's what I read. I don't want to give too much away on that book, but it was a goodie. You got a bunch of night terror books sitting right in front of me right now. That's how I spent my weekend. Was Catching up on a lot of Night Terror stuff. They're all um, first issues that I pulled out. And um, I've been enjoying it. I know that, like, a lot of people um, were kind of daunted just by how many Night Terror books there were. But I'll say that they did the thing that I appreciate at DC where they kind of put a hiatus on the normal ongoing. So I'm just kind of like buying these in place of my normal DC books. So cost about the same. And then I buy a couple others that are just like, I haven't dipped my toe into that character in a minute Mm -hmm. and it'll be fun to 
see what their deal is. But I'll say that like it, I think it's not quite as interesting as Marvel, Marvel's Axe Judgment Day. Mm. Where oh, you saw okay. each character getting like judged mm-hmm. in their own unique uh, way, in their own uh, storylines mm-hmm. or titles, um, and this does something similar, where you're seeing each of the characters' like worst nightmares, yes, manifest in uh, their own storylines, or like they they try to find a way to like tie it in a little bit to like. Here's where the character is at at this point in the DC universe yeah. and um, make it feel like not so far detached from um, what's going on right now in the DCU. So I appreciate that. And then it's just a fun motif to explore what haunts or troubles each of these characters. Right. Um, That's the big allure to, I, to read this. Yeah, I think they're really, really fun and it's written in a way where you can really take or leave a lot of them. There are a couple, like the Zatanna one I didn't buy, and that turns out, I think, to it's sounding like that one has some maybe story-crucial stuff going on to it, or at least like uh, especially interesting content for like peppering mm-hmm. the larger narrative, whereas some of these like really, really stand alone. So um, I'll just pop up some of these covers as I name them off. I've got too many to talk about them individually. But um, Nightwing was pretty cool. Um, Becky Cloonan? Yeah, and Becky Cloonan wrote that one. That's another thing about this, too. Some of these you have the ongoing writers of the stories writing them, and then other ones you just have random Oh, um, hmm. writers, illustrators, etc., just hopping in. So that's also fun for me to just see like someone else's take on that um, character for a minute. And then the covers on these are just like fun too. I think DC's really leaning into this whole like our fans love metal, they love horror, zombies, they love nightmare shit. Like this just fits. The motif of like fucked up stuff that they're so let's give them what they want trying to do. Um, I think this one, I think Night Terrors is like here's a Shazam cover, um, with a beautiful Dan Mora cover. Is um, the Black Adam written by Jeremy Hahn? Written and illustrated. Nice, Mark so Wade. Our buddy Jeremy, Shazam. Jeremy Hahn from. The from the Mo, from the, Missouri. From the Missouri. Um, I think. Um, there's the Night Terror's First Blood, which seemed like it. I wish this one book was just called like Night Terror's One. Night Terror's the main because it seems like an add-on thing, and this is like completely essential story. I think that's where this event failed a bit. Is um, you don't have a definitive they inter- title. Yeah, there wasn't like a definitive like kicking off point, and then like um, the free comic book day had like a cameo appearance of the bad guy. Night Terror's first blood introduces him a little more. Wait, so the the main title is DC Night Terrors right here, Dawn of yes. DC. You're that correct? Okay. So there's gonna be a Night Terrors like one two three four. Mm-hmm. Um. But the story's already going once you get to this bad boy. Oh, so there, there was like an alpha issue. Which is first which blood. Which is first blood. Okay, gotcha. Which is not very obvious. And then there are there are books like um, Batman um, Night Terrors, which is like the formal first appearance of the bad guy that you could have also <laughs> easily, uh, easily missed if you're just like, I'm just going to follow the main Night Terrors title. You're gonna be lost in this. So when I was when I initially started picking these up, here's the Night Terrors. Is that one. a bat with a gun for a head on the Batman cover? Yes. Holy hell! I mean, some of the I mean, it's nightmare stuff, right? Yeah. So the imagery they can just go like bonkers with. Um. So they've been really fun to read just for that. The Joker is like a big highlight one because uh-huh. his 
you know, everyone else has like these fucked up uh, monsters and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, fam- like watching horrific stuff happen to their families, like typical nightmare shit. And then the Jokers is having like a desk job. I love that. That's Matthew Rosenberg? Uh, yes, it is. Um, so good. So this is a really standout issue. I'd say that's one that like seek out and, and read it just because it's cool. Um, that's just Steelworks. In this pile, I have Steelworks, which like started um, pretty close to, I think it's on like its third issue by now, maybe, but it started really near um, Night Terror starting. So, what'd you I, think of it? I also issue read this one. one this weekend. I I liked it. It was, um, they're kind of pivoting for Steel to like try to take a step back from superheroing a bit mm-hmm. and run steelworks Mm -hmm. and he's at um odds a bit with like how involved he wants um the the super the super family to be Mm -hmm. like period and his uh kind of philosophy on how much metropolis should really be dependent on superheroes superheroes like they are now and so there's some interesting conversation there with him being obviously that's kind of like well-trodden territory but i think it's interesting coming from him as a member of the super family Mm -hmm. um being at odds with them in this way it's written by um wharf yeah michael dorn who does the voice of steel in um a lot of the cartoons so that's also just like a cool fun thing about yeah, it totally so added that in the middle of my night terrors book um teeny howard did the catwoman one and yeah. this one really stood out as unique that covers uh suggestive yeah most of <laughs> most of these are like you like see your character like entering a dream and it's like obviously fucked up and they recognize that it's a dream pretty quickly mm-hmm. and this one is a bit different in that it's exploring a part of Catwoman's past with her rekindling with um, old family members and then going through this, like reliving the same trauma she had with them in like a new scenario. There's some like really interesting depth to it. And if I remember correctly, she doesn't necessarily put together that it is a dream. Oh. So... This is another kind of standout one that I'm interested in. Um, another standout issue is uh, Wonder Woman, which is a little bit of a um, continuation of Justice League Dark. Yeah, I was going to say that because S- Detective Chimp Detective is Chimp is with um, Wonder Woman when... Um, metropolis kind of falls to uh falls to sleep falls to sleep if you will (laughs) and uh and so they seek out the other members of justice league dark in like the dreamscape they realize they can connect with each other and so they like find constantine and that's awesome um, dr fate yeah and dr fate and they um kind of go through an old like a like a traditional minotaur labyrinth thing oh cool which is just fun with like the wonder woman mythology and then doing like a greek isles kind of that's awesome uh, i love that story so that's another standout one worth getting um superman i'm having a hard time remembering um what the thread was there but i know i liked it uh williamson did did that book so um I love everything he does. Is that a Mirka and Dolfo cover for Punchline? I don't know. Do you think so? Maybe. Yeah, it might be. You tell us, video watchers. <laughs> um, I just like Punchline as a character. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm picking up anything that's Punchline related at the moment. Robin was cool. We've got two of the Robins in this storyline and they're dealing with um red hood and um you know being responsible for the deaths of um 
other members of like the Bat family and oh, stuff right. like that. I think that was a big thing for Nightwing's thing is that he like killed Bruce in his issue. We got Ravager. Um, this was, was another the daughter of Deathstroke. Yeah, this was another standout one. I think her. It was like you know particular, like kind of like haunted house sort of motif, and was particularly like creepy. And then Poison Ivy, I think another standout one where um, you can tell from the cover there, if you're watching the video, that it's very like Stepford Wives and her kind of nightmare is um, living in like that cookie cutter suburban utopia and um, just going with the flow as like a polite member of a neighborhood when, right. when lately her whole thing has been kind of like hippy dippy on the run, like uh Yeah, the, the Bio Warrior. The G. Willow Wilson yeah. miniseries that that got turned into an ongoing has been just phenomenal. I really like that series. And so this with like the Lamia spores and all mm-hmm. that stuff that they've been doing in that or, and so many beautiful covers. And um this one was interesting because this is while this is her worst nightmare she more or less submits to it because Harley is there and it's what ha- that har- the Harley of night of this nightmare wants. Right. And so it's interesting to see her kind of try to come to terms with like her hellscape by like submitting to it which is maybe part of the larger terror for her is that she yeah, will the bigger picture of is that the bigger picture that she succumbs to settling down and she'll yeah she'll live in a nightmare for yeah. the one she loves the most yes right um have you noticed something that DC and Marvel are doing differently that DC is succeeding at so so very well and Marvel is not yes oh this is so vague I don't know so with every one of these covers you'll notice I don't know if you have on the barcode it has written who has drawn the cover on each of these. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And DC has started doing that recently, and Marvel has not. And they, you have to like basically do a guessing game of who's done the cover. And I think that is so smart of DC to just have there in plain yeah, sight. Yeah, right. Like, this is, who the co- this, this is whose art you're seeing right now. Yep, I do I like that. I love that. So I, I've been meaning to give a kudos to DC recently. Because they've been doing it for a while now that they'll just highlight who the cover artist is right there up front. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's, I mean, all these like tiny artists, artist signatures that are like hidden in cover art. Right. And you can't tell. (laughs) Yeah, and I can't read those for for shit. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, that's a big part of the. um, That's getting exposure. Hobby, too, is just like covers and cover art. So Mm -hmm. um, totally make that more obvious for us. I love that. All right. Good job, DC. I like that you're highlighting the creator um, on the forefront of your book. So that was uh, so. As an event, what? How do you how do you grade Night Terrors so far? I am gonna say um, B plus. Oh, are not you bad. you're surprised by that because it's higher or lower than you thought I was gonna give it? Um, I mean B plus is a pretty safe grade. Uh, um, um, I think the overarching arcing, um, storyline of what is going on wasn't as clearly and explicitly defined as I would have liked. And that would have made me enjoy these a little more Hmm. if it was like, clearly here's the setup. It was clear that you have to read these like three issues and tie-ins first. Right. And then you're going to then go have fun with it. Right. Ultimately, um, it is more or less an excuse to see the fucked up nightmares of characters you love. Yeah. And like, and just have like some fun random creators cannonball into that because they're good at horror, like Jeremy Hahn or like character, uh, writers who know the characters really well already and can do the like, um, interesting backstory like a um, Teeny Howard mm-hmm. being like so involved with Catwoman's history, right? Um, and and a big fan for a really long time. So it's cool to see, um, 
it's yeah the the event is more or like an, an excuse to do fun shit with that and it is succeeding to the nth degree for me it seems in like that a, it seems like a cheap way for them to do elseworld without saying elseworld yeah totally you know what i mean and then to like have it, you know come out of it with like you know some characters might have repercussions from this because it is canon mm-hmm. and some characters can just like wash their hands of it you know what i mean like i always think that's interesting when one of the things that we talked about that was like the one interesting one of the one of the interesting things about age of um x-man yes. um am i thinking of the right thing from like 2018 yeah um was that it was such like an oppressive like it was like this oppressive society that had been created in like the mind space of a telepath mm-hmm. or like in the alt in an alternate like universe somewhere. Yeah. And they told all these like crazy stories that um are just um make 'em ups. Make 'em ups. But everyone re- everyone came out of that remembering what they went through. Uh-huh. And so there were there was potential to come back with like fucked up relationships with, you know, other X-Men characters that they'd always been on good terms with because you can see that had the scenario been a little different this way or a little different that way, uh, you would not have been a good supportive person to right. me no, yeah. in, in my life. And then some people established relationships and then came back to the real world and it was like, are they still going to be in a relationship? They had a child together in like a mindscape and they come back and they, they you know, they grieve the loss of that child um, there were so many, I think, cool, interesting things to be explored there that we never really got to um, see the comeuppance yeah. from because Marvel was just like, next thing. Do you know what the next thing was? It was House and Powers. Yeah, it was Hawks and Pox. Yeah. Which, d- don't Which get... as soon as that dropped, everyone fucking forgot about Age of X-Men. I know. <laughs> and don't, don't get me wrong. I love Hawks and Pox, and I think it was like it... Um, Obviously spurred a defined a generation, a generation of X Men stories, and the Krakoa, you know, era era is uh, firmly cemented as an era. I mean, there's eras of X Men in the past that have certainly been way more ambiguous, <laughs> and this one's like forgotten. You would say, yeah, and this one's like f- very defined and has like it's def- yeah, it's a definitive. It's beginning, middle, and ending in a, in a way that not a lot of comics do with like such a long in in, streak fi- in of time. 15 years we'll have jonathan hickman at comic book conventions just like chris claremont is now sure i'm just like that's not how i would have done it uh-huh. <laughs> you'll have people that are, are now our age now just like oh shut up jonathan hickman you're old and washed up <laughs> and we'll be in line just like defending him but i really he's brilliant i do regret not getting to witness the fallout of the end of age of x-man i think that would have been so interesting yeah to have x-man get his like trial yeah exactly right where does he stand with all these characters he hasn't really been a part of yeah didn't he um, lock himself away in his own mind or something like something happened with him yeah but he hasn't been like brought back or Mm -mm. he's not like in the pit you know, right He's now. He's in the pit. Um, the so, saber tooth pit. The saber tooth pit, yeah. So that, I need to look into that because I don't know where X Man is currently. Yeah. Well, if you read the Hellfire I, Gala, I bought, he's probably off planet. I bought a lot of those Age of X Man tie ins, and I thought they were. Yeah. A they were cool. Blast. And I think. I want to. Did some people kind of pan that series? I'm trying to remember what, like, the cultural conversation was surrounding people it. People were bored. But I loved it. I thought it was great. People were bored with it. Yeah. it was. It's another one of those things where you've got to buy a lot of tie-ins mm. to get, like, the full picture and, like, pepper everything. But I thought it was uh, really well, interesting. Well, I think people were immediately put off by it because they saw that Hawks and Pox was on the horizon. Yeah, and they're just like, let's get to that thing. Well, and, it was, and Hawks and Pox was advertised as the next big thing. Like, everything changes. Here. Okay, 
that's probably the that was probably a big problem for them and i feel sorry for the creators of like who are trying to get people who are trying to tell a story of interest mm-hmm. and and have comics sell and then they're like okay but months ahead of time they're like okay but none of this is going to matter soon cuz right. we're going to like completely reset the timeline right that is a hard place to come that's as like, a creator. That's like the guy who has to bat before Babe Ruth. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like everyone says, like, yeah, hurry up. I just want to see Babe Ruth hit this home run. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, but I've practiced the fundamentals for like a couple of years. They're like, yeah, shut the fuck up. <laughs> just get on base so Babe can hit. We're here for Babe. Anything else before we sign off, Mikey? No, I was trying to see if... Um... I had anything interesting to pull out of here. I I did. I have been reading oh, yeah. Tim Tim Seeley's uh, money shot. Money shot, and I haven't heard much discourse surrounding this, but the storyline of it is that like in the future, uh, the way IP is like people get the IP of old characters mm-hmm. and turn them into like the the whole book. If you don't know, money shot is about like the. Um, Profiting, profiting off of porn Prop- further science development. Yes, exactly right. And um, one of the one of the things that comes out of that is getting intellectual property to advance science because you could have sexy times with, <laughs> you know, any you know famous character yeah. in the past. That, the brave little toaster. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what they did was they took a couple old comic book characters. One famously being an old like pop tart raunchy um 60s comic which yeah. is uh like a cherry cherry pop tart yeah <laughs> is like a free love hippie babe yeah. that's like done an excuse in, to draw nipples done in the style of archie yeah. yeah but um uh they wrote her into <laughs> into money shot so it's just been kind of a funny i love that yeah a, an, another funny layer for them to pepper into an already kind of funny storyline. Hell yeah, that's fantastic. So that's another one to check out. If you're again, if you're an an old comic, if you're a comic fan that appreciates some of those older weird pulp um, adult comics that kind of have like a certain charm all their own because they're of a certain era and don't mm-hmm. really exist anymore, mm-hmm. I think like this is you'll a, dig it a funny way to like relitigate some of that Hell and. Yeah. Get some. You're getting some like commentary surrounding like what the deal with those comics were as like oh, this book's important. going on. So I, I think that's important to yeah, do. Totally, because we talked about uh, about it before about how Money Shot's a very sex positive book. Yeah, like, and there's you could you could argue that these Pop Tart comics are were not, are very much more like yeah exploitative. Yeah, but like <laughs> we've always said that like those had to walk so books like yes. Money Shot could run one hundred percent. So that the fact that this book is exploring that in itself is is brilliant. Yeah. So I agree. Hell yeah. Yeah. Some interesting themes there. All right. Right on. So thanks for tuning in to the First Issue Club. Uh, again, if you want to check out the, the video of us speaking. Yep. Go to, <laughs> While go, you listen to this. And see if we have clothes on or off. Uh, go to patreon.com Patreon. slash First Issue Club. Uh, and that is all. Bye for now. First Issue Club is edited and produced by Mike DeStacy, Greg Licktig, and Andy Vargas. Follow us on social media at First Issue Club and check out our Patreon for videos, audio, and more at patreon.com slash firstissueclub. Turn off the microphone. They can still hear my words.